You're listening to the Business of Pharmacy podcast with me, your host, Mike Kelzer. Brian, for those who haven't come across you online, introduce yourself and tell our listeners what we're talking about today. Well, it all started in 1971 when two people fell in love. <laughs> <laughs> and a year later, they had a bouncing baby boy. Now, I've been active on LinkedIn and other social media platforms for several years. But really, in the last year and a half to two years, I noticed that there was a lot of expertise being shared, but there was no encouragement being shared. And the reason that I jumped on the platform as heavily as I did back in 2017, I went through a pretty, pretty savage job loss. And so I was six months searching for a new position and I was really using LinkedIn to try to network and, and try to, to see if I could land something. And I did land something through LinkedIn, but I kept seeing all this expertise and I'm like, wait a minute, what about people like me out there? that really needed encouragement. When people go through things, the last thing they need is expertise, but encouragement's universal. I thought, let me just get back and let me see if I can become LinkedIn's intentional encourager. You were in a pharmacy job of some sort back in like 2017. Yeah, yeah. So so I'll, I'll, I'll kind of for, for those in the pharmacy business, I'll kind of give you my journey. I started out 26, almost 26 years ago in food service, you know, and, and got up to about 330 pounds because I like to eat a lot of the things that I sold. Wow. What do you know? Uh, about 270. And my heaviest, I was 361. No kidding. I'm a little beefy. This this COVID, you know, this COVID thing, I, I put on about 20. So. Yeah. Join the club. But no, I came to pharmacy kind of late late in, in, in life, so to speak, I spent 15 years in the food service industry working for the two biggest food service distributors in the United States and also worked for the two largest broker food service brokerage companies in Kentucky and West in Kentucky and Western Pennsylvania. And then you had clients you called on restaurants or I did. Yeah, I, I did. I call on restaurants, hospitals, nursing homes, schools. When I was a broker, Mike, I, I I got my first job in food at 22 years old and I got hired with this company and they said, well, the main line you're going to represent is Sarah Lee. Mm. And I thought to myself, I have died and gone to heaven. Here. <laughs> right. I was like, yes, yes, indeed, man. It was, it was fun. You know, you always got let in the door when you had that red bag and you had samples for people. They, they always let You'd you come with samples. Yeah. They'd always let you in the door. That was fun. Nice. And so I got to represent some cool lines in that side of the business. I represented Nestle and Sarah Lee and. Was that cold calling and just supporting a business? You know, when I worked for the distributor, um, that was my job was, was territory management and cold calling and things like that. When I worked for a broker, I worked with distributors to go into these customers and sell new menu ideas. I left that business in 2009 after I had weight loss surgery. I, I just wanted to kind of do a whole different, different thing. And I ended up in higher education for about three years. And in fact, the college that I worked for, Mike, um, while I was there, they started a farm tech program. And, and so we were recruiting students for farm tech. And so then I transitioned to, in 2012, got the opportunity to work with my late father. Uh, my dad called me one day and said, would love for you to come to work with me 
and you know thought about it, prayed about it, and I was like, you know, there's, I mean, I get this opportunity, and we had some really long term goals, and and we worked together ten months, and then he passed away on the road, and so what field was that in, Mike? That that's the interesting thing. That was in heavy duty rotating electrics. Really. So the layman's terms is starters and alternators and the component parts. I am the least technical guy you would ever want to meet. <laughs> Did that for about three or four years. And here's how I got into pharmacy. I was sitting at a school bus show. I was sitting at a national school bus show in Richmond, Virginia. My son had just started his freshman year of high school, and my wife calls me and she said, Bryce made the basketball team. I'm like, Fantastic. But, Mike, I was traveling. I was on the road three nights a week covering six states, covering from Memphis, Tennessee to Charleston, South Carolina. And I had a big decision to make. I was like, do I want to be a dad that that his wife FaceTimes for ball games during the week, or do I want to be home? And so, you know, I, w- I was really struggling because my dad wasn't there. I was like, what do I do? And so I called my mom, and I said, Dad got me into this industry, but I, 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 I don't want to disappoint him. And she said, you need to do what you've got to do. And so that's how I, I saw an ad for a, for a retail pharmacy chain here. Knew the former CFO, and this is a cool part of the story, Mike. I called, and I said, hey, I see this ad on Indeed, and, and I'm interested. I, I'm trying to find this person. And, and the, the administrative assistant said, well, he doesn't work here anymore. And I said, well, the reason I called was this. And she said... If you'll send me your email directly, I'll make sure you get into the stack. I mean, it was literally right at the cutoff. And so when I got the job, she told me, she said, you know, I never answer the phone. You just happen to call the day I answer the phone. And so that's how I jumped into the world of pharmacy. Was that one pharmacy? Yes, it was a a 30-store retail pharmacy chain. And so they, you know, they were presented with an opportunity, Mike, to get into the specialty pharmacy game because... A lot of the drugs that that they were doing were open distribution drugs, and so, you know, they got an opportunity to get into that um, through a through a certain business model, where they would have a third party that would do their prior offs and 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 you know do that service for for an office, and so my job was to walk in and go, hey, you know, we know there's a certain percentage of scripts that you are that you're sending out to mail order pharmacies, we can fill those here locally. All of this gives credence to your book title because you've been in food you've been in college recruiting you've been in you know car and big machinery you've been in prescription i kind of feel like forrest gump mike (laughs) i I probably instead of writing the book people buy from people it should have been titled life is like a box of chocolates (laughs) you've been in so many things and so your book i didn't play running back at alabama i'll just say that i always tell people i'll just do it very nonchalant i'll say i played because my dad he got a scholarship to purdue in football but he only played back then they had jv teams like they don't now they had jv teams and he hurt his shoulder never was able to continue he kept his scholarship in fact you remember len dawson oh very well great kansas city chiefs quarterback lenny was i call him lenny like i knew him but yeah he came into my dad's fraternity ato when my dad was still at purdue so in other words my dad might have been a i don't know a junior and len came in as a freshman by that time my dad wasn't playing but they lived together and that's all i knew of the story i actually tried to and he wasn't len dawson the hall of fame quarterback for the kansas city chiefs yeah 
No, he was just Len Dawson. Just to you know, I actually tried to re- reach out to him about a dozen years ago with Twitter or something like that, but never did. But what I'll tell people is, I'll say back when I played football at Purdue, you know, and some just let it go and some stop me, and I'm like, well, yeah, I didn't. I just played out in the <laughs> out in the field with some of my friends, toss a football. I never said I was on Purdue's football team. You know what, Mike? That reminds me of a story. So 1970. Um, the school that I went to, Marshall University, had a, a plane crash that took out the, 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 the entire football team. Right. So my dad was a senior in high school in 1970. And my dad, being the youngest of 12 kids, there was a program that the local school system had where kids in the community that, that didn't have a lot of money and were, were underprivileged could, could work in the community. The community would have jobs for them. My dad ended up working at Marshall University around the football team. So the summer of 1970, mm. he was down at, at Gullickson Hall where they, they would work out, play basketball, keep themselves in shape over the summer. They'd wash uniforms. They would get things ready for the start of the season. And then on game days, because he was 17, he could only work home games in the fall. And so, um, you know, he would go down for home games. He'd go behind the goalpost and, and throw the ball back to the to the place kicker. And, and again, that part of the story is relevant because he was 17 years old. Had he been just a few months older, the plane crash happened November 14th, 1970. My dad, my dad turned 18 on August the 8th, 1970, or April 8th, 1971. So about five and a half months. Had my dad been about five and a half months older, he would have been 18, and having been entrenched, probably would have been a freshman at Marshall then. He likely could have been on that plane that went down that that was so infamous. And so, But because he was 17 and still in high school, they couldn't travel until he, he couldn't travel until he was 18. And so he and my mom were on a date that night and, and turned on the radio and, and heard about the plane crash. Wow. You wonder how many of those things are like that in life, you know? Yeah, and, and you know, when the movie came out, my dad and I went to see it. And what was that, We Are Marshall or something like that? Or? Yeah, the movie was called We Are Marshall, absolutely. I remember that, yeah. Yeah, I have, I have a friend of mine that I worked with in the newspaper business. I've known the guy 30, almost 35 years. He was a a freshman on that. He was a redshirt freshman on that, that 70 team. And to your point, freshmen back then were ineligible to play varsity football. So, yeah. Um, he was there on campus as part of the football team, but couldn't play because he was ineligible. So being ineligible, he wasn't, there wasn't any need for him to travel. Wow. And so, uh, yeah, I've known Dave probably 35 years and, and, uh, Red Dawson, I've met Red Dawson a couple of times. He's featured in the movie. He was an assistant coach that was supposed to be on the plane. Wow. And gave his seat up to an older assistant coach because the older assistant coach had to get back to Huntington for his granddaughter's piano recital. You know, the, the 50th anniversary was was a few months back. And, and man, the, the, the emotional scars are still there for a lot of people in this, in this region. And, uh, it's really something. The folks can't see the audio, but behind me is a Marshall football helmet. I've got my Marshall class ring on. And so, yeah. you know, when everybody talks about the movie We Are Marshall, the, the scene that Matthew McConaughey plays – where he takes the guys up to Spring Hill Cemetery. That they, they actually filmed that in Huntington at Spring Hill Cemetery. Wow. In front of the monument to the six unidentified football players that died in the in the plane crash. Wow. 
That's something. Yeah, that's a that's a real place. Yeah. If anybody's listening to this podcast and they ever come to Huntington, look me up. I'll take you up to Spring Hill Cemetery and show you the yeah. the marker up there. Boy, you're a bundle of joy. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, see, I don't have people that break me on my podcast, but you, you know. Uh, I can, <laughs> you know, I, I just, uh, you know, I, I have a tendency to break people, but that's good, Mike. Yeah, thanks, so, man. So, Brian, so, so you've been in all these professions, and yeah, we've established I've kind of job hopped a no. little bit. <laughs> what I love about that, I think that's really cool. It proves the point of your book entitled "People Buy from People," mm-hmm. because you probably never imagined that you'd be selling you know parts for heavy industrial equipment and so on but no you, clue. Yeah. you knew that you would be selling people now the average listener of this program and it's varied but i think a lot of our listeners i know a lot of them are independent pharmacy owners yeah and and by the way the forgotten people in healthcare too you know, I hear a lot of people talk about healthcare workers and things like that. Right. My hat's off to those independent pharmacy owners because, again, you know, um, let me step off here for just a second. You know, in our industry, as you well know, a lot of pharmacies are, you know, a lot of a lot of insurance companies mandate they're they're mandating the independent pharmacies out of, of these of these things. And my hat's off to those folks that continue to fight the good fight for those patients, continue to build relationships with those yeah. patients, continue just to to understand more intuitively the needs of their patients. And so um, if you're listening, you're an independent pharmacy owner, my hat's off to you. Thank you. And thank you. Well, thank you for what you do in the, in the community. Well, on behalf of my listeners, I thank you for that acknowledgement. So my point is, most pharmacy owners don't think of themselves as selling because they're like, people come to us, we don't sell. We just know people and we sell Mm -hmm. their needs. You know, so if a patient comes in, I'm not trying to sell them this and that. I'm just trying to serve them. I know their family, you know, it's people. And it's like, yeah, that's what Brian's talking about here. That's what sales is about. Pharmacists are the best salespeople there are, and they don't realize that because the salesperson is not this, what's the word, swarmy? Is that the word? Well, here's the thing, Mike. I love where you're going with this conversation because the pharmacist has always been a trusted source in the community because people feel like they can ask questions to their pharmacist that they're not real comfortable asking their doctor. Mm. And, And so, you know, the pharmacist is available... When it's 6.30, 7.30, 8.30 at night, and they're taking something, and it's the first time they've taken it, and maybe they're taking something with that particular medication, or they, you know, they've got a little cough or sniffle or something like that. You know, not everything is COVID-19. You know, mm-hmm. you do get a little <laughs> cough or sniffle. Are you saying there's still other illnesses out there? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean... I don't believe it, Brian. Yeah, I should have wore a mask for this. I thought all other illnesses just stopped. There's no flu or anything anymore. People don't die from that. Exactly. But, you know, Mike, here's the thing. The pharmacist has always been a trusted source, and there's a comfort level. Because here's the thing. My wife will do this. If my wife is unsure about something... She'll be like, well, I need to call the pharmacist. Hmm. She didn't call her family doctor. And so, again, man, I think that the independent pharmacy owner 
is in a great position right now to really be impactful. And so stepping back to people buy from people, the first thing you'll find in that book is I make a statement that says this, people buy connection before they ever make a transaction. And so again, if, if you're that independent pharmacy owner, if I'm in your shoes, I'm connecting with everybody that comes through the door. I'm not just greeting them. I'm, I'm trying to connect with them. I want to have a five-minute conversation where I can find a piece of information out about you that connects you and I. And so the next time you come into my pharmacy, I want to ask you about that piece of information. I want to file that away and build, continue to build connection with you. Brian, when you say file, mm-hmm. are you being figurative or would you ever take as a pharmacist owner and physically file that somewhere? Would you ever write that stuff down? Well, let me give you a good example. Um, when I do the Intentional Encourager podcast in, yeah. in, a, in a conversation, I will take something that someone says, and it could have been three, four minutes back, you know, could have been three or four minutes back. I'll go and I'll say, hey, let me let me come back to that for just a second. I think a good independent pharmacist can file that away mentally. And and if you need a, a cheat sheet or something to write that down with, I th- I don't think that, that there's nothing there's anything wrong with that. Because that that patient, that customer, doesn't know what you did. They they don't know. Listen, fans fans in the stands don't care how much time an effort somebody put in the weight room or in the film room to get ready for the game. All they care about is what's happening on the field or on the court. If you look at Harvey McKay, Swim with the Sharks, mm-hmm. you know, he talks about McKay 66 of writing these things down. I've, I've always thought it'd be cool to have a spot in our computer system. Mine's just memory, you know, and if I'm there more, I can remember it. Yeah. For our listeners, he would say that his salespeople is that they had to get this list of 66 things filled out where they went to college or favorite food, you know, their anniversary. It was a list of 66 things. I just wonder if any pharmacists uh, these days write stuff down. I probably should. Once in a while, I think about putting something in the patient profile, like they went to Florida for their anniversary, you know, in February. You know what I mean? Just to have that. But here's the thing. What's better is hanging on to the stuff that people throw away. Hmm. So a, a throwaway comment, mm. okay? So so let's think about this for a second. You talk about Harvey McKay's 66 things. Yeah. If I am a good connector, I'll remember the core things. I should know the core things. If I'm a great connector, I'll remember the things you don't think I think about. I like to hang on to throwaway comments because, again, Somebody says something in a conversation and they say it just just throwing it out there. It's like, oh, I'm just going to throw this out here. And and again, it goes back to the old adage, Mike, one man's junk is another man's treasure. Yeah. And, and so, again, I want to hang on to this stuff that you didn't think I caught. Give me an example of that. We're recording this. You and I can see each other on video. Yeah. I'm noticing behind you there's a guitar. It looks like an acoustic four-string bass. It is. Okay. But if I'm focused straight ahead and I say, well, yeah, Mike's got on a black t-shirt and he's got a, a microphone and he's got he's got headphones. Don't tell people about my pajama bottoms. That was in confidence before we started recording. Never, never. Thank but, you. But I, I will not forget that. <laughs> I will not forget that. Okay. So you see my bass guitar. 
but I see that four-string acoustic. Right. So I, I've played bass for about 25 years. I taught myself how to, with with a little help from a guy I went to church with, I taught myself how to play a four-string bass guitar. So I have a, I have a Washburn I have a Washburn bass that's about 30 years old with Fender flat-wound strings. And, and so picking up in the back, to you, that's something that's just sitting there. Throw away, right. To me, it's like, ah, that's a, that's a four-string acoustic bass. And so now you're looking at me and you're going, yeah, that's, that's right. Well, Mike, tell me a little bit more about it. When you start playing, when you start playing bass and, and then when I can go, Hey, you know what? I kind of picked the bass up. A guy in my church who played guitar taught me the frets. Yeah. And I went from there and I, I just started learning how to play bass. And so now, now it's a deeper connection. Because now I notice something you didn't think I picked up on, mm. but it's all about it, again. It's honing back in on you, mm-hmm. and 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 you're going, yeah, man. Let me tell you about that bass. I do that all the time when people come on my podcast. I just kind of look around, and so that was one of the chapters in the book. People by observant. You know, all you got to do is watch. All you got to do is look. I couldn't help but notice. Hey. I, you know, tell me about that. Hey, tell me about your hat that you got on or, and and those conversations, Mike, don't have to be two hours long. Right. But that, that pharmacist can go, Hey, um, saw your son in here the other day. Right. Man, kids getting tall. Hey, I noticed he was wearing a baseball jacket. Is he playing baseball this summer? You know, and now you're going because let me tell you something i've been married almost 25 years my wife is happiest when i notice something that needs to be done and she didn't have to tell me to do it and so again by by observing by watching you get that sense of deeper connection deeper connection deeper connection sometimes people can almost stab themselves in the foot by writing something down because I'll have a salesperson, you know, they'll come in like two years later, you know, and they'll say like, how was Drew's baptism? It's like, (laughs) come on. I don't hold this against you, but I know you wrote that down because I hardly even remember. I have a son named Drew, much less remembering when his baptism was. And so that's good. More power to him. But I know they wrote some of that stuff down. You know what a great salesperson does? You know what a salespeople doesn't forget? What's that? Mike, hey, I saw your daughter come in last week. I know she lives out of town. How, how, how's she doing? How's it? How, how's she doing? Right. You know, or I'll tell you this, and I wrote about it in People Buy From People. It, it's not the happy moments, and those are good. It's not the happy moments that bonds and cements relationships. It's walking in the door. I had a customer. I walked in the door one Thursday morning. And I walk in and I'm bouncing in there like I do every Thursday morning. And I noticed the the girl that I, I was calling on a little small hotel. And the girl I usually talk to, she goes, she's wiping tears away from her eyes. And she said, I lost my brother last night. Mm. My brother choked to death. He was in Arizona in his apartment. And so you go to the funeral home and. Or, you know, you, you, you walk, you go and, and I had a little sandwich shop in a little town called Oak Hill, Ohio and a little sandwich shop there. And I go to 
there on Mondays and nobody's there. You try and frantically to get a hold of him and get a hold of the owner and said, yeah, our son got killed in a four-wheeler last night. Mm. Those are the moments you better be a connector. Those are the moments you better remember the right things to do and say. Because the, the, the happy moments are easy. Right. You know, Drew's baptism, that's, that's easy. It's those hard moments that really separate the, the good connectors from great connectors. A lot of people don't want to bring that stuff up unless they're told, unless they're given permission by someone like you. They don't think that those are appropriate, but they are, right? Oh, 100%. And and Mike, I'm I'm a Christian, so so I would go into, I would go into to see customers, and I would say, can I pray for you? If I noticed they were not, I had a lot of customers that just said, yeah, I, I really wish you would. In fact, even to this day, I I, I was ca- I was talking to a to a, an account, and she told me when I called her the other day, she said I really needed. I was just calling to check in. I, that's what I've been doing since the the pandemic, and I've been working from home. And she said, I just needed to talk to you today. Mm. Just needed to talk to you today. And so that's when you know you're doing something right. And again, it's not that that, that the, the big pharmacy chains don't have those people that can connect, but, but we're talking to independent pharmacy owners. If you're doing things that your competition is not doing, you're going to connect with, with patients and customers because they're not doing it. Focus on connection. If you focus on connection first with your customers, you're going to get things. You're you're going to reap the benefits from that. And, and so, Mike, that that's the that's the biggest takeaway from people buy from people. It's not a sales book. Yeah. Don't buy it if if you want a sales book. It's not a sales book. But if you say to yourself. Man, I'd really love to to connect with people deeper, better, and stronger. Uh, when you read chapter one, and chapter one is people by consistency, I think you'll figure out pretty quick. And in, in chapter ten is people by memories, and, and so you figure out pretty quickly they buy authenticity, uniqueness, motivation, meekness. Um, some other chapters there. I wrote the book. I can't remember what I wrote. So, <laughs> I mean, good grief. And I'm working on the second book. So, I, I mean, I guess I could cheat. I could, I could pull it. I've wait, wait a minute. Him. I've got them here. I've got, I've got people here. by consistency, engagement, thankfulness, authenticity, empathy, uniqueness, meekness, motivation, observation, and memory. So, if if you want, but Mike, I'll tell you, I'll tell you where that quote came from. It was a quote from my dad. My dad told me before I got my first sales job, he said, never forget, son, people buy from people. And I really thought my dad was teaching me about sales, but my dad, I I was halfway through the book writing it, and I had a V8 moment, and I was like, my dad's not teaching me about sales. He's teaching me about connection. Right. And and, and so, yeah. And and again, I I can't express it enough. If, If you want to do two things differently, then your competition's doing. Yeah, this is this is a freebie for your listeners. You know, you don't even have to, have to buy the book to get this. You want to do things that your competitors are not doing. Here's two things you need to start doing: encourage your customers and connect with your customers. You do those two things because I promise you, the big boys are not doing that. It's get you in, get you out, buy stuff. Right. Have a nice day. Right. Or else they wouldn't need to do some of the things that they're doing. 
to attract customers. If you're an independent pharmacy owner and you want to to attract new customers, here you go. Encourage your customers to come back. Encourage your customers and don't sell them. Encourage them and say, hey, you know what? We have a lot of customers that use this product for this reason. I believe it'll help you. But you know what? Hey, if it's not for you, don't worry about it. I just wanted to encourage you that, you know, keep yourself healthy. You know, encourage your customers. And then the second thing is connect with them. All right, Brian, devil's advocate. I grew up in my dad's pharmacy, like maybe a lot of our listeners. Well, probably mm-hmm. not my dad's pharmacy, but in their own in their own dad's pharmacy yeah. or mom's pharmacy. Yeah. For me, it seems like second nature. And mm-hmm. I bet a lot of people say that growing up with their dad as good salespeople, mm-hmm. good fathers and good salespeople. And, and this is not a, well, yeah, it is. This is like false humility. Basically, I'm saying, Brian... Don't you think that this is so natural for everybody? And then you'll say to me, and if you don't say it, I'll splice it in. You'll say, well, Mike, it's natural for you. (laughs) Well, Mike, my initials are BS, so you put two and two together, okay? You can splice that in if you want to. I'm good with that. It seems like it is natural for everybody. Is it? I mean, does every pharmacist already have this who opens an independent pharmacy? Or is it not so natural yeah so so uh, what what i wrote in the book in the chapter on thankfulness i said this i said what if you started thanking people proactively instead of reactively kind of to your point about it being second nature and let's think about that concept for just a second mike when whenever you know so the independent pharmacy owner that's out there you know they're when they're doing customer service training or they're training somebody on a front register or something like that you know want to greet the customer, smile, thank them for their business, all those things that are reactive. So it's reactive when that customer walks in the door. We go, oh, hi, welcome to Hometown Pharmacy. Thanks for coming. Or, you know, if they're back at the pharmacy counter, they're picking up that prescription and, they're, and, the, and the pharmacist or the farm tech or whoever's back there working says, oh, well, well thank you, you know, have a nice day you know, be well, whatever it is, stay healthy, whatever. It's all reactive. And so my thought in people buy from people is what if we turn that to proactive? What if we started thanking people proactively before they ever made a transaction or before they ever made a connection or before any relationship was established, we started proactive things. How much different would you be in the marketplace if you were a were proactive with thankfulness. So to your point about it being second nature, it's second nature because it's reactive. Hmm. It's what we're taught gotcha. and what we're trained right. to do. Right. My dad always said this to my sisters and I. He always said, if somebody does something for you, you thank yeah. them for it. But we don't do that proactively. It's it's give, get it first, and then we're like, oh, thank you. You know, that's that's thoughtful of you. You know what it what if we could say and it, and it, and and sometimes these customer appreciation bullcrap promotions that happen in the marketplace it's like well customer appreciation um we're going to give away a six pack of coke if you make it bud light you got a deal though yeah i mean but but why that's not a customer pre- a, a true customer appreciation is look we wouldn't be in business without you. We're grateful to you. 
And everybody that comes in today, no matter what they, they purchase, we're going to give you 20% off just because. You don't have to buy a minimum. You don't have to do this or that. We just want to say thank you. And oh, by the way, um, we're going to kick an extra 10% in here. And we may do a big raffle or we may just give away cake or something like that just because. Or just say, hey, it's Thursday. We're going to give we're going to give candy bars to the kids. Or if you come in and you say, hey, you know, it's Thursday. Why don't you, why don't you take candy bar? All right, Brian, here's my counter argument to that. A good friend comes to you and says, Brian, I appreciate you. You've been there. You've been a friend. You've listened to me. This kind of stuff. Brian, I'm going to give you a shiny new coffee mug. You see what I'm saying? They wouldn't do that because it would cheapen it. So when can you cheapen appreciation? Like, I think if I ever called you up someday and I said, Brian, boy, it was sure nice meeting you. And I appreciate your um, talking to me. I appreciate that you prayed for me. Brian, I'm going to give you $5. You know, it's like, oh, you ruined it, Mike. I would have loved if you would have just called me and said, thanks for being a good guy. Goodbye. Now that you put $5 on it, you've just cheapened everything. So when does that cheapen stuff when you appreciate people? Because there is a vast difference between appreciation and value. Here's what I'm talking about. Tell me more on that. Here's, here's what I'm talking about. All right. If you gave me that coffee mug and you said, Brian... Man, I was I was here, and I was thinking about our relationship. And listen, I know you love hot tea. In fact, I'm, mm. I'm drinking one now. <laughs> I know you love hot tea. And uh, man, you know, I, I don't know if you like these mugs or not, but yeah. man, I was just thinking about you, and I know you love hot tea. And listen, I, I, this cannot tell you what I value about you most. Gotcha. But... But man, you're a Reds fan. And so, man, I just I wanted to pick this up because I just wanted to show you mm. I just wanted to show you that that I value our friendship and, and and your your friendship means a ton to me. That would be valuable to me. I would you, you I wouldn't throw that away for anything. And and here's why I say there's a vast difference between value and appreciation, Mike. I want you to think about something. Here here is a an analogy. If your house is on fire tonight, and I pray it's not, if your house is on fire, you're going to grab some things that you can't replace. Sure. And so I've got them here in my, where I am. I've got a suit that belonged to my dad. I've got a couple of hats. Yeah. I'm going to grab a watch that belonged to him. So what we're going to grab are things we can't easily replace. Wallet, cell phone. Yeah. Stuff that we have to have. Right. Right? And so think about those relationships with your customers and understand, independent pharmacy owner, when you value that customer and you do the extra things to keep that customer, you are showing far more than appreciation to them. You're showing them that they're valued. Hmm. And it's not just, well, dear valued customer. No. I don't feel valued when I get a Dear John letter saying, Dear Valued Customer. Right. If you really valued me, you'd say, Dear Brian, we wanted to send you a letter just because we value your business and here's why. See, most of the time, Mike, we don't put the why behind we why we value people. We don't put the why behind it. 
And so here's the thing, I, I and, and I'll share this with your audience. I had somebody reach out to me the other day, want to be on the Intentional Encourager podcast, and I love that. Thank you. That that's 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 humbling. But they didn't tell me why. They just said, "Well, I think this person would be good for your podcast." And so I sent a voice message back on LinkedIn, and I said, well, "Okay, tell me why." If if you came across, and then the person said, "I came across your podcast. I think my business partner would be good." I said, "Okay." Thank you. Tell me why. Because all you did was reach out and said, I I think. And here's the thing. Take I think out of your vocabulary. Nobody cares what you think. Replace it with I believe. Beliefs are a lot harder to challenge than thoughts. Everybody has thoughts. It's much harder to challenge beliefs. And beliefs come from a, a deeper place. Right. When you believe something, you've put a lot of thought into it. It's it's thought driven. It's been tested. Mm. That's how it becomes a belief versus thinking. Like for me, I know what medications work for me because I've tested them, I've proven them. And so I believe in those medications. And so when my doctor says, "Well, I think we should do this." I would say, "Okay, well then tell me why. Why do you think this way or do you believe it?" Because if you believe it, then you're going to be resolute in moving forward with it. If I tell my, right, if I tell my wife, I think I love you, and I think so after 24 and a half, I think I love you, that's not going to fly. But if I tell her, hey, look, I believe that I am more in love with you now than I've ever been in my life, and here's why. You put that why behind that belief, man, that's a hard combination to beat. All right, Brian. Let me go back on this, though. So my point is valid, though, of saying if you tell everybody you value them and then you say we're going to give 20% off, you have cheapened that. What if you took that 20%, and I know you're saying this, but what if you took that 20% and you said, we're going to take our top 200 customers and we're going to try to find out what's valuable to them. And and instead of spending, let's say, 10 bucks across the board, we're going to make that 10 bucks talk with either a Red's coffee mug, someone else we're going to you know, give them this or that. I know that's hard, but is giving that 20% off, is that speaking of value or is that cheapening it? Because to your point, it'd be like, what if I said, Brian, here's this mug with Cincinnati on it, but then you found out that I gave one to your brother and to everybody else too, right? Well, but here's, here's the counter argument to that. So what if you have a customer that's trying you for the first time that doesn't feel valued somewhere else? Mm. And you have extended that hand, that right hand of fellowship, and you said, you know, well, if you don't mind me asking, you know, we, we know a lot of our customers that come in to our pharmacy. Do you mind me asking what brought you in today? Yeah, I, I saw your 20% off, and my pharmacy doesn't do that for me. And so now you have the opportunity to really build some value and say, well, yeah, that, that our, we do that for our customers quite often because gotcha. we want them to understand that, that, that this independent pharmacy is different. You know, here's the thing, Mike. A lot of people are looking for ways to feel valued as customers. And, and if you want to keep me as a customer, that, that coffee mug that you give me, if it's something that that connects with me, 
I'm probably going to go, I don't care who you give it to. I like that. Thank gotcha. you. You know, if I find something that is universal, that connects with everybody, more power to me. And sometimes that is just a cash or a discount. So why do you think giveaway promotions are still effective with, with some of these things? Because, because a lot of times people can see some value in that. They go, well, yeah, that's worth five bucks. You know, five bucks is five bucks. And so, right. you know, and, and, and again, if, if we're going to distinguish ourselves as, as independent pharmacy owners, we're going to distinguish ourselves in the marketplace, then we've got to do what, what our competition is not doing. Listen, Mike, I try to do everything for the most part intentionally. I have always, 90% of the time, there's intention behind what I say and do. Because, again, we've got a society of too many throwaway lines. And we've got a society of sound bites instead of instead of substance, right? So we 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 want to we want to talk in sound bites instead of instead of substance. If I want to connect with you, Mike, I want to have a substantive conversation because the best relationships, and, and I want you, I want I want your audience to hear this professionally, personally, with customers. The greatest relationships are always cultivated in common ground. The greatest relationships that you have are always cultivated in common ground. Don't worry about what you don't agree on. Common ground. Look for that place that that customer is looking to go and go there with them. Hmm. Walk that journey with it. Give me an example of that, Brian. Well, here's the thing. In sales... A lot of people are taught to lead, you know, they're, they're taught to, you know, you got to pull that customer in. You got to, you, you know, push your product. Mm-hmm. And I was telling a friend of mine that invented a product. I said, your problem is you're pushing your product. Mm. When you push, you do this. You, you, put your, you put your hands out. When you pull somebody in, you bring them to you. And, and so, again, we want to pull that customer to us. We want to pull them them toward us and 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 the way that that we should be doing sales is walking arm in arm shoulder to shoulder with the customer and saying show me what you see in this buying process yeah show me where you are and then because here's the thing if we're leading them we're out in front and we see something totally different than what they see don't lead your customer to that buying process walk with them (laughs) I got to share this story with you, Brian. I know a lot. Yeah, please. I know a lot of this is figurative that you're talking, you know. But so I used to have this pharmacist. He was always like pretty contentious with people. It could have been something pretty small, but he was contentious. Tempers would get up and stuff. So I said to myself back then, I said, if I ever get into a situation that's pretty contentious like that, I'm going to go and physically stand on the same side of the counter with this person, you know. So figuratively, at least we were like looking at well. Not just figuratively, but we're actually looking in the same direction, you know, going forward. Yeah. So, so this is about six months ago. Well, why would why wouldn't you stand in well, the same spot they are to see what they see? Yeah. Let me tell you why. <laughs> because it was about six months ago, and this is after I'd been away from the store for about 
five years. I hadn't, I'd only in once in a while. So I'm finally there and I go on and this lady is just pissed. She's pissed at everybody, you know? So I said, well, okay, I'm going to practice. I'm going to go stand on the same side and I'm going to say, look, I know you're pissed, but I've said, you know, these damn insurance companies, you know, they're, they do this and that yeah. to us and I can see yeah. where you're coming from and all this kind of yeah. stuff. So I get over there to her side and she looks at me and I swear there was smoke coming from her ears. And she said, <laughs> she said to me, she said, I'm only going to say this one time. She said, get away from me. It's not like I was in her lap. I mean, I was a foot or two from, but I thought, well, there goes that idea. <laughs> Mike, I love what you said there. I had to learn how to control myself in conflict because I was always, when I was young in sales, I would run from conflict. And I look back and I think to myself, I should have stood my ground. I let a lot of people walk on me. I might have said to that lady, ma'am, respectfully, I'm trying to help you and you're not you're not doing a very good job of letting me try to help you. I, I, I understand, I truly understand why you're upset. I, I, I think if you calm down, you know, I believe if you calm down for just a second, we could get to some common ground. But if if you want me to get away, that's fine. But but I can't help you from away. Yeah, right. I, I can't do anything for you from away. And sometimes I have to tell my wife that. She'll be like, Well, I, I'm gonna call and I'm gonna call and light somebody up. I'm like, okay. Understand that you may or may not be wasting good breath. So if you're if you're okay with that, if you tell me to get away, I can't help you from away. Can't help her then. And and again, I'll say this, Mike. The most sensitive mechanism in the world is a customer. But the customer is not always right. There are a lot of times a customer wants you to do things that are either that are that are unethical or if it were their money, you know, if it were their money, they would go, well, that's not a smart decision. Okay, well then understand it's not a smart decision for me as well because it is my money as the independent pharmacy owner, it's my money. Everything that I have is tied up in this place. For someone who's saying this is all intuitive. And you mentioned one about, you know, thanking someone in advance and so on. What other things can you think of besides your book? And that's fascinating stuff. I read them. You've got 10 interesting chapters and each of those has a half dozen points under each chapter. Yeah, it's the blind squirrel theory in full effect. I mean, you know, blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. So thank you. I appreciate that. There's a ton that. of good stuff in there. Thank you. Out of those there, out of the 10 chapters and let's say six subjects, out of the 60 yeah. things, what else in there do you think is maybe not as intuitive for someone who's cocky like me and says, well, I've seen it all and I, you know, and I know how to deal with customers and things. What are the things in there maybe aren't as intuitive that you would share with the listeners who are maybe in my position? People buy meekness. Meekness. Tell me more about that. You mean so when I say I'm cocky, that one go over? <laughs> well, most alpha males are. Most alpha ma most salespeople are. I was. Yeah. And, and so, you know, when you have a modicum of success, you have that confidence. Hmm. And, and so, you, what you don't want to do is you don't want to you don't want to stray over to arrogance. Hmm. You know, you can be confident and not arrogant. Yeah. And so what happens, Mike, is is meekness, the term meekness, as I was researching it for the book, the term meekness means to be humbly docile or patient. Mm. And so again, patience is a hard thing for me because 
And, and again, I think it's it's becoming harder and harder for most people because of the speed and 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 everything that we have at our fingertips. Yeah, right. You know, for a pharmacy owner, if they're running if they're running a claim or they have to they have to get a, a PA submitted for um for a medication to get approved. Yeah. If it's not turned around in ten minutes, they're like, man, then what's going on with the insurance company? I mean, you know, they they busy today, or you know, they're out to lunch or something like that. Yeah. And and so again, I think people by meekness, that's going to be the one thing. That's the one thing that that I would say that that's surprising, is because we don't teach meekness in sales. We don't teach meekness in in management and leadership. But sometimes we need to be a little more humbly docile. We need to just kind of step back and go, let me wait five minutes for this thing to 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 stay. And, and and for for a salesperson, their role is to be the 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 driver or the the leader is the the driver, the store owner is the driver. And sometimes it's it's best to just sit back and just go, let give let me let me take five minutes and really survey this situation hmm. and let me see what what's best the best way to connect in this situation instead of being the driver driver and, and just going let me let me let me step back here and and I said this in the book weakness never confuse meekness for weakness hmm. the old adage is patience is a virtue Right. And so why wouldn't we step back even for two or three minutes in those two or three minutes and just say, okay, let me step back, take a deep breath, and then decide, okay. And Mike, here's the thing. Great decisions are never made in a hurry. Mm-hmm. Even Even great leaders give themselves even in a snap decision yeah great leaders still have that internal clock where they give themselves a moment to process and so again that's that humbly docile that 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 patience that that we're talking about that's probably the one of the surprising things that people read the book they're going to say well how do people buy meekness we have to understand that that people in some cases, if they're getting ready to make a big decision, what's the one that, well, let me think this over. Right. They're asking for a little bit of patience. Mm. And so and and so by naturally and proactively giving them that patience in that room, you actually create greater connection. And you say, well, you know, I, I totally understand that. You know what? Let's all step back and take a moment and be patient. And it's a powerful connecting tool to really get you and that person in the same in the same vein. Because a lot of people want to push. They're like, oh, let's form relate, let's build a relationship, let's connect, blah, 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 blah. Be patient sometimes. Be, be, be meek. Cause I'm telling you, people, people today buy meekness. They really do. I think the value in what you're saying there, Brian, and that's a cool example. And I know there's a ton of other ones of Anybody who's read a sales book over the years has been told the opposite of that without even knowing because what the book yeah. will say is, yes, agree to them, tell them that you understand and this and that. 
and then the book always says, well, and then here's how you fight that. You say to them, well, Mrs. Smith, if I were to show you this and that, would there be any reason you wouldn't be able to make a decision? You know, they give you all this stuff without just stopping where you are and just saying there's value Apparently, you have some reason for feeling this way, Mask, what it is. I, I remember that old, an old sales training. You know all that stuff. Yeah. There's true value in just meekness. So here's the thing, Mike. So why, would, so why, if you have decided to become an independent pharmacy owner, why would you want to think like Walgreens? Right. Or why would you want to think like, like name your, your big box pharmacy? Yeah. You've chosen to do something on your own because you believe in what you do and how you do it in the way you can serve patients in your community. So why would you want to replicate what those folks are doing? It, it, the, the biggest disruptors in any industry really don't care what everybody else is doing. And in sales, I was a lot that way. I didn't want to play in everybody else's sandboxes. Well, and that's a beautiful thing I love about independent pharmacy. One of the things is that I'm still getting payoff from something that my grandpa did 50 years ago by not pushing too hard on a sale, you know, by spending an hour with somebody and saying, you know, just, just go home and put your hand in cold water, you know, whatever. And you know, Mike, here's the thing you get to decide through, through having a conversation with the marketplace, you get to decide what you have in your pharmacy that connects with your customers. You don't have to be beholden to what somebody in a corporate office 700 miles away that has never been to your community thinks you should have in your in your pharmacy. You have the ability to yeah, to have that that intimate conversation with the marketplace where your customers feel like that they are being heard day in and day out. Your podcast and your book coming up intentional encouragement tell me what non-intentional <laughs> encouragement is you know what my you know what my 20 year old told me it was coming in the house one day and, and he said dad he said i'm gonna start a podcast that's cool son that's that's great and he said it's gonna be called the unintentional discourager <laughs> <laughs> i mean that's what i thought about too brian because i know your podcast is good but I'm going to be a guest on your show coming up later in the week. And yep. I'm not sure whose line this was, but I don't think I'd ever listen to a podcast that would have someone like me as a guest on it. The first thing is whenever you feel or think that you should encourage somebody, do it then. Do it, do it, do it right then. And so I'm going to walk you what, what a piece of intentional encouragement might, might look like. Mike, if I shot you a text, I might say, Mike, had you on my mind today. I just want you to know that I value our friendship. And hey, man, I, I you know, I think that things are going to be looking up for you and your pharmacy. I, I just wanted you to, it's specific. Okay. Hmm. Don't ever send anybody, a, a, you know, just like, hey, man, just, you know, checking in today. If you do, always start with somebody's name. Right. Because I could copy and paste the text and send it to 100 people and then be like, oh, I got a text from Sexton. And it's like, what's well, the same text I sent to For sure. 100 different people? If I wanted to be a volume encourager, that's what I would do. 
but I don't want to do that. I want to be specific with it. And I want to have a message in that encouragement. There needs to be a message there. And it needs to be targeted. It needs to be tailored to that person that you're encouraging. And and you don't have to go, you know, you don't have to pontificate for 10 minutes. I'll tell you what I do sometimes. I, I I've got a new I've I've got a relatively new smartphone and a good friend of mine, Kristen Sherry, said she said, I send voice text to people. I'm like, that's brilliant. So now I can actually speak the encouragement in a text. And I can say, Mike, man, today's gonna be a good day. Let me tell you why. And I just felt like I needed to tell you that because I just kind of got the sense, or I see a post that maybe you, you were going through something, and I'll check in and I'll say, Hey man, are you doing okay? You know, I saw your post. I, I, I just want to make sure you're okay. And if you need to talk, I've got some time. Let's talk. Or I'll just pick up the phone and call somebody and say, hey, I saw this. I just wanted to check on you. You okay? You doing okay? I had a friend of mine that, that uh, a couple weeks ago had, a, had a, uh, an emergency appendectomy. I just pick up the phone and call him and say, man, just checking on you. I, I had an appendectomy when I was eight. I know those things are not fun. Just want to make sure you're doing okay. I suck at that. I wish I was more like that, probably. And, and maybe it's from growing up thinking that I would be a burden on somebody by getting in a conversation and they weren't ready for it or they weren't, you know, they had stuff going on. But that's really, that's a cool skill. Yeah, but you know what? We talked about that. We talked about filing that away. Let me tell you something. Even in that moment when they're not ready to receive it, you would be blown away, Mike. At people that have come back to me and go, man, I got your your yeah. text a few days ago and it really helped me. I'm sorry I didn't get back to you, but man, it really it really yeah, helped. Yeah, texting me. I'm okay on, but I suck at calling people like that. Well, you never know what you're going to be able to say to them to be able to help. Yeah. And, and so again, listen. The reason people don't do more intentional encouragement, it's real simple. You have to give way more than you receive, and people are not wired that way now. We're used to being a give, 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 give. You know, likes, retweets you know, followers, things like that. We're caught up in numbers. And, and the way you build relationship is, is not, it's not a numbers game. The only number that counts in building relationships is one. Yeah, It's one at a time. It's, it's, it's one step at a time in building a great relationship. And so, you know, that's why, and again, that's why I'm so purposeful. I hate the word passion. I hate it because I'm not passionate every day about intentional encouragement when I get up. Yeah. You know, I may have, you know, well, last night, I, I remember, you know, I woke up last night, my left hip started hurting. I was like, I was reaching for some biofreeze that I keep near the bed so I could just go back to sleep. Be like, ah, soothing relief. I, I'm not doing a commercial for biofreeze, but what I'm saying is, but when I got up, when the alarm got, when the alarm went off at, at 620 this morning, Mike, I wasn't real passionate about getting out of bed. Yeah. But I was purposeful. I knew what I wanted to do for that morning and wanted to get it off to a good start. And so, yeah, you know, and, and so again, um, and trust me, when I saw my son today, I was like, dude, you should have went to, what, what were you thinking being up at 2 a.m. this morning? Go to bed. Yeah. You know, you left, the, you're like, yeah, when you got up and shut the door, I knew it was like, I should have had to got up and shut the door. <laughs> That's what sons are good for. Oh, man, I am. I have morphed into my dad. I know we have, haven't we? If you take the contact lenses out in the beard, I become I become my dad, and and so, and it's like it it, it, it was God saying, 
All those years you were resistant. Here you go, big boy. Here you go. Well, Brian, thanks for being on. Man, this has been fun conversation. Thank you. Well, listen, I hope that, that your audience that listens to this, reach out, connect with me. I'm on LinkedIn at Brian Sexton NBA. It's B-R-I-A-N. My last name is S-E-X-T-O-N, and I've got the, the uh, I have an MBA, so you know, reach out to me if you search the Intentional Encourager podcast. Mike is going to be on the Intentional Encourager podcast, but we tell a ton of great stories. If you just want a conversation that you hear people's stories and you go, man, that really resonates, I think the Intentional Encourager podcast is for you. So subscribe where you get podcasts. And if you hear this conversation when Mike releases it, you hear this conversation, you go, I want to know more about connection. Reach out to me. We'll, we'll, we'll do a Zoom call or we'll do a, a call like we're doing today. And I'm more than happy to, to help you. People Buy From People is available on Amazon. You can buy it there. I'm getting ready to, to order some more author copies. So I'll have author copies available that people can get from me. They can buy them from me and I'll sign it. But Mike, man, this has been so much fun. Thank you for for having me we're talking on a monday afternoon now i think we're talking thursday morning right we are talking thursday morning yeah i get my second yeah. covid shot and i forget if it's before or after you and i talk i think it's afterwards i'm hoping to get the vaccine mike so i can get some kind of superpowers or at least a half brain. <laughs> you know it's that would be fantastic for me but man what a great time i've had talking with you and Again, I just hope that we brought some value to some folks today, some independent pharmacy owners, and and got them thinking about things in a little different way. So thank you, man, from the bottom of my heart. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you, Brian. Thanks for all you do. And I'm going to put a link to your book there. I just got on at least to the Kindle part where you can download the first few pages, and I did that before we talked here. Just looking at those chapters and subchapters, it's good stuff. And if you buy the book and and you've got some feedback, please reach out. I would I would dearly love to to hear from folks that get the book. Even if you don't like it, you can still message me and go, it's it sucks. It's pretty <laughs> terrible. And I'd probably go, yeah, I, I probably owe you one. You know. You'd say like that lady, you'd say, I'm going to tell you as peacefully as I can, get away from me. <laughs> well, let me leave you with this piece of advice, okay? Yeah. A pat on the back is merely 18 inches from a kick in the butt. So, I mean, again, you know. Pretty I'll close. just leave it there. Pretty yeah. close. All right, Brian, thanks. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Business of Pharmacy podcast with me, your host, Mike Kelzer. Please subscribe for all future episodes.